This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back into the fray with Peter Tabbins, Dan Moulton, and Ernie Eves. And, you know, I've got to ask Ernie to start this discussion because Doug Ford, you know, he wants to broaden the distribution system for uh, beer across the province of Ontario to uh, somewhere in the ballpark of 11,000 different outlets, you know, box stores, convenience stores, yada, yada. And yet uh, there was a con. Yeah, well, hang on just a second. Now, you were with the Liberal government, I guess, at the time in 2015. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I was involved in the Assets Council and and the work that they did on the uh, the beer store as well. Yeah. Okay. And the contract that was signed, uh, tell me if I'm right uh, in the particulars that should this contract be breached and the distribution network changed outside of the beer store proper, which is owned by 31 of the brewers, uh, that's a breach. Well, I mean, like any contract, it has breached terms, but it's also not a new contract, right? I mean, this is with the brewer's retail, there's been this relationship for decades now. Right. Uh, and so, you know, we, we found ourselves in this position from years and years of, you know, governments of all political stripes uh, allowing this system to exist. Um, you know, what was done a couple of years ago with the new agreement under the Wynn government was about expanding access points, more grocery stores. A lot of people now have uh, beer and wine in their local grocery stores. But it was six uh, packs, it, right? Six packs? Well, this was a way to get through that pre-existing agreement, right? And so what, what the government right now, Doug Ford's government's talking about is expanding that even further to, you know, convenience stores and more locations, something I'm a big supporter of. I think that's a great idea. Um, but it would mean breaking that agreement. Uh, and, and not the agreement that was signed a couple of years ago, but an agreement that's been longstanding. And so the way you get around that is by negotiating with these guys to come to an agreement on, you know, how to uh, improve access points for Ontarians because people do want more access points. That's very clear. Which is what I understand they're doing. They're in the process of negotiating. So right. everybody's been mum as to where this is going. But uh, if the initial report was some kind of a scare tactic to say breaching the agreement would result in hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars in fines. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that, that by all the experts, it's close to a billion dollars it would cost. Okay. Uh, so I guess this cost-benefit analysis thing that I'm positing here, is it worth uh, broadening the distribution system for the sake of convenience? Because you're a fan and so are many other people that I've talked to. Uh, but if it's going to cost that amount of money, is that a dog that won't hunt Peter Tabbins? It's a really good question. I don't think people want to pay a lot more for beer. Uh, they don't want to have that bill added on to the cost of their purchases. I don't know how the government is going to deal with that loss otherwise. Uh, I think you'd have to consult with a lot of people to be certain about that. Because I I would say people are going to have this question of trade-off. Do I pay a lot more for what I'm drinking um, or do I have more outlets? And my sense is that a lot of people just don't want to pay a lot more. You know, as a matter of fact, I, having spoken last week with an executive in the industry, a friend of mine, and he was saying in Alberta, for example, they have way, way more distribution centers than we do here, but they pay more for their beer because actually you increase the distribution yeah. network. The costs are commensurate to a certain point because you got to truck the beer out and yep. so on and so forth. Uh, so Ernie, in your capacity as Premier Finance Minister, you guys, <laughs> di- you guys dabbled in these waters, didn't you? Well, I think it's important to go right back to why we have a beer store in the first place. And the beer store was started decades ago, as Dan says, in the province, because quite frankly, the government didn't want to touch it. So it let brewers really devise their own system, for lack of a better, I mean, putting it as succinctly as I can. Sure. At a time when they were domestic, too. Right. Yeah. Uh, So that's where it all started. And so there are some, you know, traditions that have built up over the years. Now they've turned into contractual obligations et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know all the ins and outs of particular agreements and how much it would cost to get out of them or get partly get out of them. But I do think 
we should be looking at a broader, I agree with Dan, we should be looking at a broader distribution system in the province. The question is, how do you get there without yeah. costing you hundreds of millions or a billion dollars? Well, the, the premier is between a rock and a hard place here too, right? In, in, in a sense that, I mean, if he tries to legislate out of this agreement with the, with the brewer's retail, if you try and legislate out of it, uh, I mean, that doesn't send a very good signal to to businesses that Ontario is open for business like he wants to do, right? I mean, that, you know, a contract with the government isn't worth anything is not a good thing to send to the, to the market. So, I, I mean, the government's caught uh, in a difficult spot if they want to expand access points, which I think they should, as I said, uh, but not you know, violate the terms of that contract. But you're the consultant, so if you were wearing the other hat and helping him out, uh, how would you try to broach this with the brewers and uh, make it something that both parties could live with in terms well, of... I mean, you have to think that improving access points for uh, the brewers in Ontario is only going to improve their profits, right? I mean, if you're expanding access points in, in rural Ontario, in particular, uh, in your your corner stores, this is a good this is a good thing for the brewers just as much. Now, they might say, "Well, our, our current channels are are as much as we're going to ever be able to sell in this market," and certainly they they make a lot of money off the fact that they own the retail locations as well and the distribution network. Um, which I, I think I think they're not willing to give up here, and that's the the real challenge. Is how do you convince them this is going to be better off for businesses as well as consumers? And I think striking that bargain is not an easy thing to do, and you have the the looming threat of the, these guys will take you to court if you do it wrong, right? And so, uh, yeah, I don't I don't envy the the position they're in. All right. Well, when it comes to distribution of liquor, I mean, there's the LCBO model, and it seems like it's such a cash cow to the coffers that uh, nobody would think of having a broader distribution system outside of the LCBO, or am I wrong, Ernie? I know back in the day, you guys even had considered selling the LCBO. Well, we did, and um, I think there are a couple of main issues here. You have to make sure that the public is protected in terms of, you know, minors and other people getting access to alcohol, so I think you do have a responsibility as the government to make sure that doesn't happen, obviously. Um, I, It was amazing to me that when... Back when the Harris government first got elected, the mere suggestion that the LCBO might be privatized dramatically improved the efficiency of the LCBO. And I give Andy Brandt, who was the then chairman CEO at the time, all the credit. I mean, he actually responded to the situation. So there are always ways, I think, to find more efficiencies. Yet I would say the same thing applies, you know. Um, especially with respect to wine and other issue, other products like that. I think the public wants those as, as accessible as possible, yet maintaining some degree of responsibility. I don't think any, I haven't heard anybody say, we want a liquor store on every corner where you can go and buy whatever you want, whenever you want to buy it. All right. Uh, again, with our panel. No, I. I'm sorry. I haven't heard that either. I agree with Ernie. You do? Wow, that's. <laughs> I know it's shocking. Right, we're, all, we're all agreeing here. <laughs> but I, ha- I haven't heard the demand for the end of the LCBO and expansion of liquor to every corner. Just it ain't there. No, I agree. It, it doesn't make sense. Well, well also it, people just aren't pressing for it. It's just not top of their list of concerns. Right, yeah. and when it does, you being a man of the people, uh, you go to the <laughs> the ramparts for them. I go to the ramparts for having good funds for hospitals and schools and the LCBO is a hey, big by the part way, of that. I saw you featured on a documentary on TVO on Saturday night. I'm You're watching, kidding. Wow. Yes. Wow. No. The Big Wind. Uh, don't read too much into that. <laughs> but, but no, it was, it was about, it was about <laughs> the, wind, the wind farms up in Bruce County. Yeah. And uh, you were on the floor of the legislature uh, sort of 
talking down to the farmers, suggesting that, you know, you ought to be able to put these things up within 550 meters of their domiciles and so on and so forth. And they were absolutely adamant that these things caused health consequences and so on and so forth. Did you not see this documentary? Nope. You should have had to sign a waiver or something for them to use <laughs> your likeness. So. Well, I, I think if it was in the legislature, then they would have just used what was publicly available. And frankly, my interest in wind came first from talking to farmers in Alberta, because they were making a lot of money putting up wind turbines on their farms. Um, they were the ones who said to me, look, yep. this is something we need. This is going to make sure that we have a viable economy here in rural Alberta. And I think in Ontario, it was messed up in a lot of ways. I think it should have been publicly owned or cooperatively owned uh, in those communities. Well, the whole issue uh, centered on NIMBYism and whether or not they were right to uh, want to keep these things off their farms or away from their farm properties up there uh, in, in well, Port Just Elgin. a second. All, all of the windmills that go up go up on farms where farmers are getting paid. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, no, I understand. They, about 10,000 a copy. Uh, about 10,000 a copy. Yeah, but they're they, upset because what they do is the setback is only 550 meters, whereas it's supposed to be 2,000. What do you mean supposed to be? Well, this By is, what rights? Uh, according to, I guess, the international precedent or law, this no, is what... No, no this was established. This was established no, in the documentary. Okay, regardless... That's just, not true, John. Just well, simply not true. Your government, the, the, Lib- the liberals under <laughs> uh, McGinty and Wynn, uh, Dan, <laughs> yeah. they actually uh, told these farmers and otherwise, uh, you have no reason to complain. We're going to put these where we want to. As a matter of fact, the clip they played was Dalton saying NIMBYism is dead. There's no more... Uh, place for it here in terms of what, what is necessary to do with wind turbines. Well, yeah, I mean, NIMBYism exists in, in every part of this province and in every community, and it exists downtown Toronto, just as it does in rural Ontario. I think there, there are two kinds of farmers. There, there are farmers that are making a lot of money off of uh, wind turbines being put up on their, their farmland, and farmers who are next door and don't have one on their farmland and are mad about it. Well, right? they're and mad about it for, for the health considerations. No, those, those are conspiracy theories. Are they? That, that's crazy Looney Tune conspiracy series wow. stuff. Yeah. It's been consistently disproven. And Donald Trump and, you know, other people like that are giving it too much of a voice nowadays saying that wind turbines cause cancer or cause health problems or whatever other crap that's out there. And it's all lies. And it's been disproven consistently through uh, health experts and, and federal panels on the topic uh, have said that, no, there is no evidence to suggest that that's the case. Well, and, some and, people don't like the look of them. And I, and I don't understand that. I think they look great. I, I, uh-huh. I enjoy the look of, of wind turbines. Yeah, Going to have one people, in your backyard. I'm fine with that. Okay. Some, some, I do have one in my backyard. Make Georgian Bay look beautiful. Oh, yeah. Have right wind on turbines. the exhibit. Every 500 feet. Oh, yeah. is that what it is? Well, anyway. <laughs> but the, John, the World Health Organization considers wind one of the safest forms of energy generation in the world. Well, it's funny because these uh, people, it was like a phalanx of folks coming up to testify with wind concerns Ontario about their health problems and so on and so forth. You're discounting that. I'm even wondering then why TVO even ran this documentary. Beats me. Okay. They didn't call That's me a, first. Well, Next time I'll got, ask them you know to call what, me to, first. To DVO's credit, they've got to show different sides of the, of the stories, uh, you know, different perspectives that are out there. Yeah, but if it's erroneous, it's false news. It's well, I mean, news. there are certainly people who are opposed to them, right? And I get that. Uh, but the health concern stuff is, is crazy. Uh, it shouldn't be given a voice. You, if you want to be opposed to wind, that's fine. You can have a, a rational argument about it. But if it's because of health concern stuff, that's consistently, consistently disproven. Well, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.